Hello, I'm Cynthia. Welcome to the Taiwanese Diaspora Podcast. I've been spending some unstructured time in Taiwan for the last couple of months, and it's been really awesome. There's a lot of things I didn't expect, one of which is to see friends and acquaintances. Some of them are based in Taiwan, and some of them uh, I'm just lucky that we overlapped. So one such conversation I had is with my friend Eric, who we'll be talking with today. And he was also here for a longer period of time than usual. And over the last few years, we discovered that we both have some interest in getting to know more about ourselves in the context of Taiwan, you know, from understanding our roots and heritage to introducing Taiwan to our friends in the greater world beyond um, the island and beyond where our community lives in the U.S., And so really excited for that. We have something that we're incubating that we want to toss out to the group here. So listen until the end to hear what that is. And then let us know if you are interested in participating. But first, I want to run a quick plug for a new limited podcast series hosted by the United States Institute of Peace and Ghost Island Media called Dispatch from Taiwan, which delves into the policy debates within Taiwan that could have implications for the region and beyond. So encourage you to check it out. 2024, it's a significant year for Taiwan, starting with a closely watched presidential election in January. In a new podcast series focused on Taiwan and the policy debates that could have implications for the region and beyond, we bring you voices you've likely never heard before. Local experts weighing in on social, economic, and defense issues, and individuals who are proud to call Taiwan home. They are all determined to keep the peace against its bigger, more powerful neighbor. This is Dispatch from Taiwan, From the United States Institute of Peace and Ghost Island Media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Testing, testing. Hi. Hello. Hi, Cynthia. How are you doing? Eric, this is so exciting. It's very, I'm very excited. Um, how, how's my voice? It is fabulous. You're the first person I've interviewed in person yeah. who has podcasting experience. Oh. Yes, so. thank you. <laughs> Well, welcome to the Taiwanese Diaspora Podcast. We are right now in Erba Gongyan in Taipei. And we met in 2019 at a podcast event that you put on through your work. And I'm so excited to have, like, still been in touch with you. Oh. Is that a rat (laughs) or a squirrel? (laughs) That kind of looked like a squirrel, but it looked like a tail. No, that's a squirrel. With yeah, the but bushy that was tail. definitely that was a rat. Uh, a rat. Uh, no a... frilly tail. Wow. Rodent. Okay. It didn't look that scary for some reason because I thought it was a squirrel. I was like, what are you looking at? Sorry. Okay. No, you're fine. I'm you're back. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, no, it's great. Great to meet up and do this in person. Yeah. We've been really lucky this month that we've been able to meet up, what, three times? Three times, yep. In our home away from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Let's set the stage. We've yeah. been having some really great brainstorm sessions yes. about something we want to do mm-hmm. for and with the Taiwanese American community in general. Yep. But before we go there, let's have you give a quick introduction to yourself cool. in whatever language you prefer okay. or in all the languages. Uh, awesome. Okay. So uh, I'm Eric, uh, Eric Don. I am a Taiwanese American uh, currently visiting 
family in Taiwan uh, for the past month, uh, for the whole month of January. And it's, um, it's really nice to be here um, to reconnect. I spent six years of my childhood in Taiwan from the age uh, of two to uh, age eight when I immigrated back to the U.S., to California. Uh, and so I left in second grade of elementary school. Um, and so th this place was pretty, is pretty special to me. And it's kind of cool to see it over the years. But I, I don't come often. So it's like every few years I come back. And it's kind of cool to see a change. And a big, big uh, example of the change is um, the MRT. Just being able to see how it has grown over the years. All the new lines and all the new stations. Uh, that's been cool to see. Um, what it, line did you grow up on and yeah. what was built when you left? Uh, when I was here in second grade, I um, uh, the red line was the one that opened up. Uh, we lived uh, in Sipai. Uh, and yeah, so the red line opened up then. We, we moved to Dansui. So then we used the red line a lot uh, to commute from Sipai to Dansui. Sipai is where my parents opened their beauty salon, and then we would go home to Dansui at the end of the day. Yeah. So what's it like being back this time? And this is the longest period you've been back uh, in adulthood? Uh, I was here for three months uh, in college for an internship, and that was nice. Uh, but yeah, I don't usually get to come for this long. So it's been almost a month, uh, and it's been good to to spend time with with relatives to kind of to, to meet up with you and other like people my age, which I think has been a goal of mine in the past few years to come to Taiwan and, and meet people here who are my peers, like trying to, to so that I can get to know what people are thinking about, what's on people's mind, what, what people are working on. Um, and yeah, and I also came during the, the elections, the presidential elections in Taiwan. So uh, it's been cool to see that, to see the conversations and the, the discourse around politics here and, and kind of get a sense of like what yeah w w what the vibe is politically so my cousin told me that i forget the phrase in chinese but mm -hmm. that jai is the heart or the seat of democracy in taiwan have you heard oh, that before interesting no i haven't yes that's cool yeah. um sh shout out to jai yeah where my mom is from so that's kind of cool i can see that it's a very politically engaged place and it's very I guess it's very green. A lot of people vote for the, the green, the DPP party. Everywhere I go in Taiwan, it feels like people know what's going on. People are very critical of the political parties. There's a lot of like very intense conversations and people follow the news. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about your ties to Taiwan as an adult mm. or your interest in I guess getting even more engaged with the Taiwanese community. And maybe you yeah. should share just something what Vikram said, your friend who was mm -hmm, here with you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. recently. I thought that was kind of a neat sort of lens. Oh, yeah. Um, so so this time I, I was here for longer because I wanted to spend time with my mom here, visit my relatives. And also my brother is did a wedding reception here for uh, to celebrate his wedding, uh, his marriage. And he got married uh, almost two years ago in uh, Maryland and so a lot of my Taiwanese relatives weren't able to come so we were able to do this reception together a few weeks ago which was really nice 
Uh, so we organized that and uh, brought family together. And through that, we were able to invite my friends from the U.S. as well. Andrew and my, my friends, one of them is uh, my friend Vikram and another friend Alan. And they, they performed, they sang a song dedicated to Andrew and his wife, Daniela. I also heard you put together a really, really terrific program. You know, it was fun. Yes, I uh, got to do some programming, uh, play, play host, uh, play MC, which was fun. Uh, and so it was really nice to be able to show Taiwan to, to our American friends. I think that's always been uh, a kind of desire of mine, a dream of mine to be able to like show this part of the world that I'm very familiar with, but I can only bring up in passing as stories or just like you know talk about the food but to really bring them here and have them walk through the city with me uh has been cool and one thing that vikram my friend uh noticed was that um he he found that i was more confident or there's a i showed a different side of me that he he, he didn't see as much in the u.s which <laughs> i i i took as a compliment but i was also i was also thinking reflecting on why i might not feel as confident in the u.s or why that doesn't come up as much but um in any case it, it was really nice to to hear that to know that you know he can kind of engage with this side of me you know uh see me speak mandarin see me speak mandarin and english in in the taiwanese setting uh, with family and friends so and i really like the way he used the word the phrase moving through the space here mm, yeah like how, how i move through the space yeah, he was very impressed that, like, I, you know, it, it, by the way that I moved through the space in Taiwan, and um, yeah, I think I think he was noting how I navigate it, you know, how how I'm able to have conversations with like the Taiwanese driver who took on road trips, took us on road trips, or just like ask for directions, or just like feel like a local. So I think moving through spaces in that way. I think he found to be pretty impressive or maybe he wasn't aware that I could do that, that I was as fluent or as as natural uh, in the Taiwanese setting as I am in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So when we met, you had put together some programs mm -hmm. for storytelling. And mm -hmm. I think I specifically remember one on advertised as storytelling in Chinese. Yeah. I think maybe the, even the first one was podcasting and I had just started podcasting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I got some great tips from you guys and just meeting other people who are interested in podcasting yeah. long time um, and you know novice podcasters but I would say that the storytelling one I don't think I would have signed up for had it not been advertised to be open to Chinese speakers mm. one in part because have total stage fright mm. <laughs> um, that really got me to get out of my comfort zone I think yeah. but I think also at the time and in retrospect and I think a lot of the ways I've been thinking about kind of like this phase of my life since then is the power of personal storytelling. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit more about how you conceived of it and why you find that to be an important creative element or self-awareness element? Mm. Uh, I love that question. Uh, so that program was really fun, personal storytelling for social change. And we tried to advertise it to local Bostonians, people who lived in Dorchester um, and uh, 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 Roxbury and, you know, downtown Boston, Chinatown. And we knew that there would be people who spoke different languages and we wanted to make it open to folks who spoke Cantonese, Mandarin, uh, Spanish, uh, and try to reduce language as a barrier. Um, ultimately, 
the people, everyone we got, uh, everyone was comfortable speaking in English. So it was not as much of a concern, but it was really nice to be able to put out the uh, fillers, put out the promos in Mandarin and in Spanish, get the translations and, and, and try to like find people in that way. A lot of the people were also multilingual. Yes, that's correct. So that's kind of cool. Um, uh, yeah, it's good to hear that uh, that resonated with you to know that, oh, okay, this is like a multilingual friendly environment. So I, I, I hope that. And it, For sure. It, yeah. yeah. So, so it definitely sounds like that was, that was a good, like that was received, which is awesome. In storytelling, why personal storytelling, I think I've been drawn to because of the its ability to instill empathy, I guess, uh, and it gets people to practice listening, I guess, as an audience member. But as a storyteller, you kind of ask, you have to also know, you know, how you're conveying your information that requires you to understand how, you know, understand your audience, understand people around you. So empathy and listening, I think, are like powerful kind of key ingredients of what storytelling gets you to grapple with. What what I've come to understand is that like, for, for me at least, and I think people say this about human beings in general, is that we like stories resonate with us in a way uh, where we can process information better because the narrative arc is something that I guess we, we're just very good at interpreting and making sense of um i've always loved a good story uh if i think about analogies or when i try to make sense of things in my life like scenes from movies or scenes from a book uh these kind of like um little anecdotes or stories are ones that pop into my mind to help me connect the dots between different stories and how it connects with my life uh and so i think something about narrative helps us like kind of I don't know, connect with the world, help us make sense of memories, uh, connecting one dot to another. And it, it could be a very powerful way to get people to change perspectives, right? Because in a story, you follow the perspective of a protagonist. Um, you might develop some assumptions or some preconceived notions as you kind of empathize with the, with the, with the protagonist. But over time, as, you know, as things get revealed, you might find yourself kind of like, uh, shifting your perspective because of things that happen, right? So, like, the the narrative arc, I think, helps people to see things from in different ways. Yeah, and I think what another core tenet of storytelling is that the protagonist, it's not an interesting story unless there's change. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. I guess, if you're doing a personal story, maybe you're often stuck mm -hmm. kind of ruminating in the same space or yeah. spot. Mm -hmm. yeah. But perhaps telling it as a narrative yeah. arc gets you to see that you've changed as well. Yes, I have taken moth storytelling classes and some stand-up classes, and they all teach very similar things where like you're, they're trying to get you to think about something that happened to yourself, to uh, something that happened to you personally, and trying to figure out, um, you know, how it changed you, right? Like who you were before this thing and who you were after, and then like the journey that, that led you there. Uh, and so, yeah, I agree. So it's like when you're engaging in personal stories you're able to more identify what is the thing that moves you and how 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 do you change as a result of things that happen to you i don't know if that makes sense but yeah yeah in all the conversations that we have in mm -hmm. the various times we've seen each other over the couple of years i feel like there's always opportunities where you've gotten pretty deep with yeah. where we are 
in various journeys of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll say that for another day. Yeah. But uh, in one of our most recent iterations of brainstorming, yeah. we have some pretty cool thoughts, and one mm-hmm. of which we want to throw out to the audience here because um, we want to try to actually do it sometime at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I guess it kind of started from finding other people who are also interested in Taiwan. Yep. So that was kind of maybe a connection that Eric and I had. Mm-hmm. Uh in figuring out ways that we can, as Taiwanese Americans, connect with our roots. And for me, being back here for the last couple of months and working on some of these side projects I have, I feel like I'm probably not the only one. Mm-hmm. For sure. In, in conversations, we were thinking maybe we'd throw something together mm-hmm. and have a group come out. You're doing a lot of facilitation mm-hmm. um, work, and I think you're really obviously natural at it because mm-hmm. of all the various activities you've led in the past. Mm-hmm. So let, should we should we pitch it out to yeah. everyone? And I think part of it is how do we take the work that we've done in terms of facilitation and storytelling and use that to connect with more people who are also exploring similar issues. We're both in Taiwan right now and we both have a desire to connect with Taiwan more in the future. And so the idea is, you know, how can we do something cohort based where we get a group of people, maybe eight to ten people to come together in Taiwan to do a week together of programmed activity. Uh, and part of it will be like uh, well-being type activities, uh, um, exploring Taiwan type activities. And another part of it will be structured exercises to talk about your creative writing projects as a group. Or storytelling in general. Or storytelling, yeah. But we're hoping to find you know, a group of people who are interested in like Reconnecting with Taiwan uh, and uh, maybe maybe it's personal stories related to their family or well, with their journeys reconnecting with Taiwan or whatever uh, they want to write about. Uh, if they want to write about a memoir, memoir or if they want to prepare a piece for a stand-up skit, that they would have a support group through this cohort to brainstorm and to iterate and to refine their work. And so the idea is like, can we do that? Uh, in the course of five days uh, and then program some facilitated exercises, some bonding exercises, and also use this as an opportunity to have a group of people explore Taiwan together with peers. Yeah. If you're interested, sign up below and we'll reach out when we have um, some more information. Yeah, and I think um, this is where, like, we kind of also want to see what people are interested in as well. You know, if, like, so if people have ideas, they should definitely pitch you up and, um, you know, let us know, like, what are things that would bring them to together to to want to be part of a group, spend time together uh, to work on something creative and to do that in Taiwan. Like, that, does that resonate for people and what would make it more exciting and more useful? Yeah. And other some ideas that we had were around business connections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Taiwan's got a lot of well, going to go a little bit offshoot because this isn't part of the program mm-hmm. that we're iterating at this time. But lots of great manufacturing capabilities here. Mm-hmm. And how do we maybe bring that more globally? Yeah. Or like, can we get a group of people who want to be entrepreneurs to come together to think about ways that they can make moves in like their project or in their business idea and maybe using Taiwan as a case study uh, in the industries that are vibrant here? you know, including manufacturing, but also like farming and, and other stuff yeah. that we can explore. Yeah. 
the sort of central nugget that we've both been wrestling with but haven't been able to express at some point in my life. I wouldn't say my whole life, but there are periods of my life where I think I rejected this notion of being an Asian American Mm -hmm. in that I felt that it was maybe a more of a liability is a strong word but it not like an asset to the world right and I think the message I had a lot growing up was like we need to learn Chinese because that's going to help you in the future I would say like in the work space it hasn't really helped all that much unless I created opportunities in like little microspheres for myself but I think it has helped me a lot in being able to connect with people like yourself and others, be able to move in spaces where it might be intimidating for other people who look less, but don't speak the language. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've only gotten more of appreciation for having slog through language learning Mm -hmm. or what I thought was like, uh, you know, baby the Jiang Zongwen kind of thing growing Mm -hmm. up, I think has now I've, I can see that as an asset for myself now. I don't know if the younger generation still feels that way, but mm-hmm. I, I do think that there are probably a lot of us in our 30s, um, late 20s, early 40s, or maybe are like kind of reckoning with how is this dual identity an asset mm-hmm. and how do we leverage that? And if the systemic workplaces don't necessarily value that, how can mm-hmm. we create spaces for ourselves? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think about how when I'm in the U.S., I feel like the, there's this half of my brain that I'm not able to access in terms of cultural pop knowledge in terms of like actual ling- language knowledge customs culture and all of that stuff that i cannot really tap into when i'm in the u.s and so now when i'm in taiwan when i'm engaging engaging with people in english and in mandarin i realize that i'm more able to like fully express myself in a more well-rounded way which has been really nice uh and then yeah and i feel like growing up i you know my i, th- I think a mentality that my dad kind of uh instilled in me was just just thinking of like america is better or like that's the place you go to learn and to grow and to improve and i've always felt like going back to taiwan would be like a backwards move or at least that's what uh was instilled in me but um i think it's in the past few years where i'm like wait but but why you know what why why can't this be the actual move that would make sense I, i struggle a lot with like uh, identity in terms of like what am I supposed to do with my life what am I supposed to do with my job and my you know career and I, I am starting to feel that like coming back to Taiwan is a way to grapple with that um, a way to um, figure out like you know to learn more about my roots to get reconnected with my family here uh, and I think that would help me as I continue my journey figuring out like okay what, what is it that I want to do and so so I'm starting to see like uh, Taiwan as this kind of part of the puzzle piece that I, that can help me figure that out. Yeah, we can be the bridge. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, if you guys are interested, hop online, let us yeah. know, and maybe we'll see you in Taiwan next year. See you when in we Taiwan. do our amazing program. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Eric. Enjoy the rest of your time thank here. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think that's good. Uh, maybe we'll have more of these conversations. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks for letting me join your show. Awesome. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And that's it for today. Please send me a message on Instagram or Facebook at T-W-D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A or shoot me an email. It's hello at TaiwaneseDiaspora.com.
And if you or other people you know have stories that they'd like to share on this podcast, please send them my way as well. Some of you have asked about how to support the show. So if you are inclined, go to coffee, ko-fi.com slash T-W-D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A to donate. And if you like to read, check out my book recommendations at bookshop.org slash shop slash T-W-D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A. And 10% of the proceeds will come back to support the show. All right. See you next time.